Oh, thank you all so much. How about we give Jesus the greatest praise offering? Amen. Doesn't he deserve every bit of it, everybody? Every bit of it. And uh, it's we real only, We'd only been married a month when we came to that camp up here. And I thought it was just <laughs> something y'all do because we were at a, a camp in Alabama the week before, and they told me I couldn't wear makeup. So I thought maybe y'all just didn't. We left that camp, too. <laughs> We love y'all. We love Minnesota. All those twin beds, don't worry. We made up for it, everybody. <laughs> That's TMI, baby. TMI. Too, 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 too much too soon. Too much too soon. It is really, it is so good to be back with y'all, though. See, you thought I would say something like that, and you yeah, did she, that. <laughs> she does that stuff. I, I do that. He is the spiritual one. I am comic relief. I, I'm, just, I'm just there for the fun of it all. You're just a fun girl, yes. right? But thanks so much for having us back. It is good to see all of you get that. Mark, thank you so much uh, just for inviting us. Uh, two years ago, as you said, we had planned to be here and just the things that happened and transpired in our life and in our family. And uh, But it just, it, you know, one thing, I, although it's been so many years ago, uh, Brother St. John, you and Vicki having us back in, those, back in those days in that camp, there's one thing that's so evident here you can truly sense the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit alive and active in this place, but it's not a place, it's in people. And you can just sense that. You can sense the excitement, you can sense the power of the Holy Spirit it's just in this room. And I'm just gonna tell you, folks, you all know this, especially you that are leading churches and ministries, things don't happen by accident. People think things just happen. They just don't happen. It happens because God does give you leaders that are personally pursuing God, and it is a reflection in everything they do, and it reflects in the people around them. And you have you are a blessed district. And I'm just going to tell you, just I, I thank God for leaders like Pastor Mark, his wife, Marb. I just thank God for you guys. And uh, I, I think it'd be appropriate. I think we ought to praise God for our leadership that God gives to Mark and Barb, thank you guys. Really, it's, 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 you can feel the presence of God here. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. But uh, we really just came up here for the weather. We wanted to get away from the winter in Michigan. So I told the church, I told them Sunday, we, we got, it was bad. I, you know, we have this, we have the temperatures, but with two feet of snow. And Sunday churches were just closing down like crazy. And but not him. Not, not me. I've, I'm old school. He's, seriously, he watches the little thing on the news that says who else canceled and going, ah, I can beat that. <laughs> we're having church. So we did. Hey, come on. We're, we're tough people. And I told the church, I said, I told Brenda, I said, uh, you know, this afternoon, I said, we're going to, I told Brenda, I said, I'm going to take you out of this mess. And we're going to Minnesota. So we're going. But. Thank y'all for letting us be here, really, as we do count it a privilege. We know we're on assignment from the Holy Spirit. So we know his creative genius is at work here tonight. So we know that uh, God has something special for all of us. And thank you for letting us participate in this. And uh, Brenda and I, uh, a couple years ago, uh, it was just really in the heat of things. Uh, some of you may have read the article that was in Influence Magazine, give a little, uh, just a little window into uh, just the, probably the toughest journey of our life, without a doubt, is the worst thing I think I've ever been through in my entire life, Brenda, uh, together. Uh, tough challenge for our church, the people around us. 
But uh, our daughter, Sarah, one of the most precious gifts God's given us, we have two precious kids, Nathan Charles and uh, Sarah Janae. And Nathan's our oldest and loves the Lord Jesus and gave us two amazing grandsons. And uh, they are spark joys in our life. And uh, Sarah was one of those other joys that God blessed us with. That's a picture of our, our, our daughter. And uh, she just loved, she loved worshiping God. I mean, she just loved worshiping the Lord. She was just so anointed by God, and you could just sense the presence of the Holy Spirit on her, and it was just so powerful. I remember when God called Sarah to the ministry, and this is why I love the investment uh, that you are making in the next generation. It, it's at camps. It's just amazing I, I will tell you, I think that when we get to heaven, you will probably go back to the leaders of this district and say, I wish you to ask me to do more because of the investment. And when you heard the young man tonight, because Sarah was 13 years of age and I, I was preaching the family camp in uh, Michigan. And I noticed Sarah, she wanted to travel with me. And uh, so I did. And I noticed in the altar, she was tucked off to the side by herself. And, and then she had a notebook out with her Bible and, you know, when I was 13, you know, I, I hardly cracked the Bible. And here's my daughter over there just taking notes and she didn't say anything. We get in the car and she said, Dad, I, I think I think I think I know what God wants me to do at 13. I said, what is it? She goes, I I think God wants me to to be a worship leader. I think I'm supposed to do worship and music. And she said, and this is what he gave me. He gave me Psalm 33, 3. And this became her life verse from the time she was 13 years old. Sing a new song of praise to him, play skillfully on the harp, and sing with joy. And boy, did she do it. And she just pursued it. She just went after everything. I mean, she started studying music theory in high school and just wanted to just get the best that she could at music. And and uh, it would subsequently take her to fine arts in uh where was it? What C was in? Louisville at the Young Center. And I know all the details because I am a fine arts mom. And I will tell you in every sentence I can that my daughter wants female vocal solo, 2012. Yes, yes. She she went and she got a scholarship to Valley Forge. Valley Forge, uh, the Virtuoso Scholarship, and got a full ride to go there. And about halfway through it, she calls me up. She said, Dad... She goes, I just hope you won't be disappointed in me. But she goes, I, I don't know if this is what I'm, I don't know if what I'm being trained for is what I'm going to do ultimately in music. And, uh, of course, they were teaching her, you know, she was singing German opera and everything else. And, I mean, just, but it was learning. And they were training, training her to teach. And she said, I just don't know if that's my path. Well, about that time, I'd been pastor now for just a little while there. And in 2015, um, a, a young man by the name of uh, Drew McElhaney, was working in our ministries, and uh, his grandfather was the pastor of the church. Uh, many of you know uh, uh, Pastor Scott Hagen, Dr. Hagen, and uh, he was there uh, right after his grandfather, who had been there 25 years, Wayne Benson. So some of you probably had, you probably had Wayne Benson here before, right? And uh, I, the, I told him, I said, Drew, I said, I, I said, I'd like to bring you on as our worship, our worship arts pastor. And I said, you do what you want, but I want you to build the team you want, how you want, you just tell me. He said, okay. He came back to me a couple of days later. He said, Pastor, he said, I, just, I got one request that I'd like to ask of you. He said, can, 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 I, 
can I hire Sarah to be a worship a worship director here with They had sang together before. Yeah. They had did an album, and their blend was amazing. Yeah, for many years they'd done recording together. And I said, Pastor Drew, I'm just going to tell you right now. I said, if you and the executive team want to go talk to her, you guys go talk to her. But I said, I will not call her. I will not ask her. I said, I will help approve a budget, but I will not ask her. He says, why won't you? I said, because she will tell me no, because she thinks her dad was in this. She will tell me hands down no, and we may miss God because just because I'm, I'm getting involved in calling her. I said, if you want to do it, you can call her. And uh, he called her, and she calls me back. She said, Dad, Pastor Drew called me. Are you part of this? I said, no, I don't know what you're talking about, you know. I lied, but I repented, and I was all good with God after that. But, but uh, you all have done that. Anyway, uh, but uh, I said, you know, I said, Sarah, this is your call. I said, it's your call. I said, I can't control the destiny of your, your calling. I said, you've got you to know God. I said, this is where your mom and dad can't do it for you. You've got to figure this out. I'll pray with you. It'd be a blessing to me in this church. They all know you. We know your ability. But I said, Sarah, it's your call. And uh, she called Pastor Drew. Pastor Drew came. He said, Pastor Sarah wants to come be a part of our team here. And I will just tell you, on that day, I was living the pastor's dream. I was living because I knew the gift that was in her. And uh, I was living the pastor's dream. And, uh, man, I was living a father's prayer that your kids will love the ministry, love the work of God. And, uh, boy, I was just riding it high and think, man, the team is perfect. You know, you, you know, when you just get something and you know, it's just going right. And then, uh, everything changed for us. Everything changed. The, the summer of, uh, 2020 y'all remember 2020? Hated it. Hated it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, 2020. We hate it for a whole different reasons, but, um, not to get into any detail, but Sarah said, Mom, I'm just not feeling right. And, you know, when your kids, this is seven years after the fact. She's 26. She's 25 then. And, you know, your kids, it takes them forever to tell you that they're not feeling right. It must be pretty serious if they're saying it. So uh, we took her in for test. And on, uh, on October 17th of 2020, Sarah was diagnosed, diagnosed with uh, stage four ring cell adenocarcinoma. She had colon cancer. Stage four, which we found out is like real popular in young people right now, and they can't figure out why. It's the number one cancer killer of 25 to 40-year-olds. If, you if you're in that age bracket and you don't feel well, go to the doctor now. Go to the doctor now because a lot of millennials feel a little invincible, but they're, they'll get it checked out. On her 26th birthday, she had a six-inch tumor removed from her colon, and she had 80% of her colon removed on her 26th birthday. And after 12 months of very intense chemo and clinical trials, she went to be with the Lord on January 12th, 2022. I'm sorry. I said I wouldn't cry, but... Um, sorry. If you... If you do the dates right, it just, it last Friday was the second anniversary of her going to be with the Lord. We miss her so much. So um, just to tell you, we believed in that 15 months, just from diagnosis to death, we believed she was going to be healed. God was going to heal her. We had the testimony planned out. Yeah. We knew she was going to be healed and she knew she was going to be healed. We didn't, 
I will tell you from the very beginning, the doctors told us that this would take her life. But we refused to believe that. Because why? Because that's, that's not the kind of people we are. We're people of faith. We pray for people to be healed all the time. And you could just imagine, no, you can't imagine what was going on in our minds because we just, we were, uh, we were a little lost. We were spinning. And um, whenever she would get down, we would, we would try to lift her faith back up as much as we could. We would speak the word. We had scriptures all over the house. We, people were sending her books, which, by the way, we can't read all the books. I think she got like 42 books. And don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you learn anything today, don't send books. But um, <laughs> but we try. We would do everything we could to build her faith, and she would, you know, she would plan. She planned her chemo on Monday so that she could sing on Sunday. She had the chemo for three days, and she would sing on Sunday. She was tough. She, um, like I said, she was twenty six at that time, and she even had her eggs harvested for when she got married so that she could have children. We had 19 viable grandchildren. <laughs> so on Mother's Day, we would send her flowers for Mother's Day because these were all, on, we, we knew that God was going to heal her. There was just no doubt in her mind God was going to heal her. And there was no doubt in her mind. And she never talked about, she never, ever, ever talked about dying. She just, she knew God was going to heal her. And uh, even, what was it, two the night before she passed, um, she was in our house, which is a whole nother story. Because when they put her in hospice, we thought she would go to a place. Facility. And she said, no, I, I want to be home. And we struggled with it, but we didn't tell her. God talked to me a lot because I wasn't talking to him. I'll just be honest with you. I was a little upset. And he would have to talk to me. And I remember coming home, and I did talk to him, and I said, what are we supposed to do? She wants to be here in the house. I can't let her die in our home. And God said, give her what she wants. He told me, just as clear as I'm talking to you, give her what she wants, because you've only been in this house a year, and if you have a problem with it, move. Give her what she wants. So when she came in, she said, wait, am I not going to be on your, in your bed? And I said, we're going to draw the line somewhere, kid. <laughs> So, but she, yeah, she thought she was going to be in her room. So she, uh, so Pastor Benson, Wayne Benson was there the night before she died. And he said, Sarah, how do you want me to pray? And she said, you pray God will heal me. I want God to heal me. And then the next morning she, she, uh, she just, she didn't come back. But she always had the faith that just was amazing to Brenda and me and a lot of things. And we'll share, we'll share a few of those things. But um, one thing that we did discover in all this, he said, you know, there's things you discover. And I will just tell you right now, uh, two years after this, boy, it's a journey. Any of you have ever been there? It is a journey. And we're still in it. But we do find things that God, God has revealed to us and spoken to us. I think one of the biggest things, just pastoring churches, those you lead churches, you're always in this fast pace. You're trying to get things done. You're trying to make things grow. You're looking at things. And things don't happen fast enough for you. But I'm going to just tell you, the brakes came on everything. And God just told me, just showed me how to wait 
when there's nothing that you can do within your power. And we started discovering this. Uh, don't ever, don't ever ask God for patience. He will answer that prayer request, even if you don't put it in. He puts, he answers it for you. And uh, we we discovered a great patience. You just got to sl- really slow down, and especially patience with uh, each other, with Brenda and me. Um, I will tell you, we never get in a hurry in this grieving process. We're two years in, and uh, we are very open and honest. This whole thing. I don't know if you're whatever level of stress or or what's attacking you, you be very patient with your spouse. And there are times you'll be doing better and they're not. And then you expect, hey, it's been this time period. We should be doing better. You should be doing better than that. Never, ever put that on them. Uh, boy, we're just, we're two different people. And we're just very open and honest through this whole thing. I'm just going to tell you, one of the things God helped us is just stay very honest. Because it affects everything. It is just It just doesn't affect your your leadership, it affects everything. It affects your personal life, your emotions, uh, your sex life. Uh, Brenda and I were very, very, very open with each other when it came to our sexual intimacy as a husband and wife because these, so many things get clouded that that thing becomes the primary thing. And you need to understand, first of all, that I, I'm called to God first and called to minister to my wife next and then my children. And yet Sarah was such a predominant part of this, but we had to take care of each other in this and not ever put any pressure, you know, and uh, we're not done on this. And I will tell you that with the heavy grief and what happened, I I will tell you that the edges are really sharp and jagged. If you felt grief at that level and they're a little smoother, they're a little smoother, but they're still there. I don't don't know if we'll ever be done with it. I think somebody helped me understand it real, really good is when one gentleman said, he said, when you lose a parent, you lose your past. When you lose a spouse, you lose your present. But when it comes to a loss of a child, you lose the future. You think about them supposed to get married. You're supposed to plan their wedding, not their funeral. You're supposed to be thinking of the grandkids. You're going to bounce on your knee and stuff like that. And 19 of them, we, we had a church van all prepared for her for 19 of those eggs. We had a church van. She was ready to have all 19 kids. She was going to, she's going to have a whole different story, a whole her own her own TV program or something. I don't know. But anyway, but we discovered that. And another thing that we discovered is we, we say this, it, it's, it's, it makes a good preaching point and it gets real super spiritual. But I will tell you beyond the shadow of a doubt, the presence of the Holy Spirit is the only thing that will hold you and sustain you. And in the midst of it, he will make you productive even when you don't realize you're being productive. And as a pastor, I discovered I sometimes got more consumed with productivity than I did proximity. And this drove me to deep proximity with God. Because I can tell you that if you have the presence of the Holy Spirit and you are consumed with proximity to Him, you can get through because he's inside of you. And I'll talk more about that later because I'm telling you, his presence is so powerful, everybody. I know we preach it, but not till you're in it do you know it, right? You know it, you know it. But God really helped us with that. I think that's helped us as pastors yeah. to understand so much more about our people yeah. um, that are going through circumstances where before we'd say, okay, we'll pray for you or go up here and pastor so-and-so will pray for you. And now we, we, we know 
what they're going through. And we know how to pray for them. And we know how to, to be there for them. Should I tell them about the email? I got, okay. So we were actually on our way to Israel last, in just in this February, and I get this email from this woman who from our church, and she emails me, and you're, you, she says, I know exactly what you and Pastor Sam are going through because I just had to put my dog down after 11 years. You moan. <laughs> and that's what I did at first. And then the more Richie said, I am single. I have nobody in my life. All I had was my dog. All she had. And I had read that in this stays with me, grief, grief is love with no place to go. And I thought this woman is grieving like I'm grieving because that dog was everything to her. And so I tried to minister as best I could over the email. But that's what I'm talking about. It helped me as a pastor and Sam as a pastor to understand more what our people are going through. Pain is pain. Pain is pain. And our people loved Sarah. I, don't, I won't say as much as we did, but she was seven years. She was on that platform every, every Sunday. And she was a part of our, our church. She was in the office. She was everywhere you looked. There was Sarah. Her hand was everywhere. Um, everywhere. Even now we can look around and sometimes still see her, you know, sitting down and eating lunch or whatever, coming in your office asking for money. She did that a lot. She did that. What is it about? No, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> Whenever we'd go to Target, Mom, you want to go to Target or Ulta? Sure, let's go. And then she'd fill my basket, and she had to go to the bathroom when it was checkout time. What? Every every time. She's, it was a gift. But I'll, I'll tell you, our church was so amazing. The, our people, the other thing we discovered are the people of God. People of God are amazing. The family of God is just unbelievable. And I think even Sarah really realized how much she realized it more. When you go through those, boy, the people of God. I discovered something, you know, through all of this is that, you know, people remember who called and who cared. Yeah. And pastoring, you know, it's it, it's come people say, well, you know, give me a piece of advice, pastor. People remember who called and who cared. And I tell you, our people were amazing. And Sarah knew we needed them. She had she asked she had two requests from us. She had two requests from us. That was the only time she would talk about that, if anything, if this chemo doesn't work. Yeah, that's the only time she would yeah. talk. About she said because she would she would rarely want to talk about dying. Never, Never want to talk about dying. And. Um, but she said, I, I just want you guys to do two things for me, two things. And she knew it. She goes, number one, she says, do not leave the church, Dad. Because she knew Mom and Dad would have the tough time because she was everywhere all over that place. I mean, everywhere. She said, don't leave the church. She goes, and the second thing, she says, I need you to keep my dog Moses. And that's Moses right there. Yes. Uh, Moses, his full name is Moses Eugene. Why she named him that? I don't know. The dog she had before that was no idea. Greg. <laughs> but she wanted a she wanted a dog. When she was going through chemo, she wanted a puppy, a little puppy. 
So she she got Moses. And it was like when she told us, can we just go look at this puppy? It was like when Sam says, can we just go look at this car? I know we're coming back with a different car. So I said, okay, you might as well go ahead and get ready because we're in for a dog. So this is Moses. He is 77 pounds. Yeah. 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 He goes to daycare three days a week because... Because grandma and grandpa can't keep up with him. He, should I tell him he sleeps with us? <laughs> you, you just told him he sleeps with us. She t she woke me up. I looked at my, my phone. It was 4, like 4.18 in the morning. Brittany goes, and she goes, look, and I was out. And here he was, all 77 pounds of him. Both of his front paws, both of his back paws were curled up around my legs, just spooning me in the middle of the night it was precious it was precious she was you know sarah's laughing she's she's, she's laughing. laughing she's laughing she's laughing but our, the people were so amazing and you know one of the things that is that is a challenge as pastors when you're going through something personal is that you still got to keep on pastoring your people and your team while you're trying to lead yourself and you're trying to pastor your spouse and you're trying to pastor your other kids through all this stuff. And we didn't real we didn't realize and that. We we didn't realize it. I mean, it was just The day she died, my assistant called me and said, Pastor Brenda, you could cut the grief with a knife up here. You guys need to get up here. And I realized at that point we have eighty people on staff and every one of them, they wouldn't talk, they wouldn't do anything. They didn't, they didn't know what to do. But let me back up a little bit. Let me tell you about our staff. We had, when Sarah was diagnosed, Sam and I had moved downtown and we were renovating a farmhouse. We watched too much Chip and Johanna. And we took don't 10 do months. It. Don't, do, don't it. do it. We took 10 months and renovated this farmhouse. And we had all of our stuff in storage. So everything got delivered on Monday and just shoved into the garage we were living in the house. The next day, Sarah was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And we were, we didn't know what to do. We were real and we, I just, we just didn't know what to do. And our pastoral staff came over and unloaded all of our boxes. That was three years ago and there's things I still can't find, but that's okay. That's okay. Sarah lived in her own apartment and she never went back to it. After that Tuesday, she never went back. The entire administrative staff went to her apartment, it packed up everything, and then being the administrative staff that they are, they labeled everything that was in each box. And then our facility team came and took everything, our furniture and everything, and put it in an area at the church, a storage area. We didn't have to worry about anything except where that stuff is three years later, but we'll find it eventually. That's our staff. And they were grieving as, as much as we were, not as much as we were, but they were grieving hard. So we, we went up there and, and our son went with us and, and we talked to him and we loved on him. And then a couple of weeks, we, the board gave us a month off. And uh, we, I, I, I oversee all the renovations at the church. We're kind of opposite from Chip and Johanna. I'm the Chip and Johanna. <laughs> it's just because she's, not that you decorate, but you look, you look like, Johanna more than Chip. Stop. Just stop. 
So don't you all think you so? You totally drifted. You have totally wandered off. I was talking about. What was I talking about? I don't know, Brad. <laughs> I forgot what I was talking Oh, so I handle the renovations of the church. So the worship arts team that Sarah was uh, uh, directed, actually, that team, uh, they said, you know, we're running out of room in our space. You know, could you come up and see if you could tell us some things to do? So I went up there. And I saw her desk back in the corner, and I said, who's, who's, who's going to be sitting over there? And they said, oh, no, 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 no. Nobody's sitting over there. And I went to Sam, and I said, Sam, I think it's time that the worship arts team had a whole redo. And we remodeled the whole worship arts suite because they couldn't handle just having her desk there. Um, they couldn't handle even having her mic. She was actually buried with her microphone. So anyway, when we get up in front of the congregation, what we do, and we even do it now, is we give them permission to grieve. We know they're watching everything we everything do. Everything we do. Especially during worship. I can feel just in the back. How many of y'all can feel your people looking at you just in the back of your head? And so... During worship, and, I, and I'm going to tell you, worship was very hard for me. I wasn't, I, say, I make it sound like I was in rebellion. I wasn't. It was just very difficult for me because I realize now that maybe I was worshiping the gift more than I was worshiping the giver. And we had to come, I had to come to terms with that. And um, worship is is still different for us. And we can, when they sing a song that Sarah used to sing, they don't sing Waymaker, they don't sing Raise a Hallelujah, because those are, those were, yeah, that wasn't my choice. But anyway, it's just difficult. But we can feel our people watching us because they don't know how to respond. And so it caused us, for probably the first year, it caused us to, getting God's presence because we had to show them, we had to model to them how to worship again. And so uh, we did. We still do. Analyze. You know, you sit there as a pastor, you're analyzing everything, what can do better. And I'm not saying that I don't still look at things, but boy, it sure, it sure was where all of a sudden you were forgetting all about that stuff and you had to so get in God's presence and leave that place and almost you had to go to a place with him and it really has driven us to a place with him. I will just tell you this. Uh, I, we have learned more. I have learned more through this pain than I ever have one moment of prosperity. I know more about God and his presence and who he is and who I am. I've learned more of it through pain than I have one moment of prosperity or great blessing. I love the blessings of the prosperity better, but I tell you what, how I many know oh, he never wastes when you're going through those things? And then he'll send he'll send things to you that'll just blow your mind. I, yeah, the, this it's just the, the people God sends. You know, isn't it crazy the people just come by and give you a drive by blessing? You know, it's it just they're just crazy. Like for, for instance, Sarah, uh, she had a list of things that she wanted to do. Yeah, she had a and lot of things. We weren't able to do any of those things. It started. I want to go to Florida one more time, but she couldn't finish it. And then she wanted to. I, 
Robert Madu is a friend of ours, and she wanted to go to Social Dallas. And then I wanted to lead worship with Chandler Moore down at Social Dallas, and uh, we could she couldn't go to Social Dallas. And then she it got to where I just want to go lead worship one more time at the church, and she couldn't. And, and then she wanted to be in a service, and it dwindled down to where none of those things were happening. And so, what was it, five days before she passed? In a blizzard, um, we get a knock at the door of the of the house, and in comes Robert and Taylor Madu and Chandler and Hannah Moore. And they spent the whole night with her. Taylor got behind the piano, and they spent the whole night worshiping with her. And I saw her hand come up out of the underneath that the blanket, and she worshipped. She had she hadn't moved hardly anything. This this the presence of God. She hadn't hardly moved, and uh, Chandler started singing. He just worshipped for two hours solid, and we were all just sitting there, just weeping, of course. And uh, he starts singing that old Bill Gaither song. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And he got because he lives, all fear is gone. And he got to that point and was the first time I watched Sarah. She popped her hand out from under that blanket when he says, all fear is gone, and she just started worshiping. And I tell you, that moment was so liberating for me uh, because it was the first time I, I, I never, I, you, always, you always talk to your kids about how to live. You don't talk to them about how to die. And uh, when they came and told Sarah, when I was with her in the hospital, Brenda was there, she was getting the house ready. And, and she said, Sarah, you know, that, that's going to work. And uh, I remember sitting there with Sarah, and it was just her and I alone. I said, Sarah, I need to talk to you about dying. And what I, my best knowledge of what happens and what you'll experience the moment you, you take your last breath. And uh, it was the most, it was the shortest message I've ever preached. It was the most anointed I've ever felt in my entire life is to talk to my daughter about what happens and what she will encounter in her next breath. And it so provoked me that I, I always wanted to preach about heaven and what was going on, what I believed the activity was. I've always wanted to do a series on that, but I, it was too much work, so I never did the series. And then when Sarah went to be with the Lord, I did a series on heaven and the activity of heaven because I wanted to figure out more and more what she's probably, what, what are they all doing over there? And it was the one of the most incredible series that, I mean, I'm, tell, I'm more excited about heaven than I ever have been. And, uh, but I just, I just, it, it helped, it helped all of us. But that was one of the blessings though. I just want to get back to that. It was one of the blessings of the people of God that God sends. And uh, we were so indebted to them for that time. We just led worship and then it's just, it was fun. It's, I mean, it's, it was a great time in God's presence with them. I uh, one of the, you uh, was it like six months after she passed? And um, we went to uh, Maver uh, Chandler Moore, Maverick City. They were in concert at the Van Andel Arena, which is the big concert arena in Grand, in Grand Rapids. And they said, you guys got to go. We got you tickets. And we went, okay, we'll go, but we'll probably leave after a while because those concerts are like six hours long. And, and they said, no, you need to go. You'll be, you need to just go. And so um, we went, and so his manager came and got us and took us backstage, and Robert and Taylor had surprised us and showed up. And so we went, they said, come on back to the sound booth. We need you to stand back here while we're watching the concert. And so Chandler got up, 
in front of all these people in Grand Rapids and said, I wanted to worship with Sarah. I wanted to lead worship with Sarah Rife Kogel. And he said, I'm going to right now. And he had called the church in advance and had one of her videos and had all the music taken out. And so just him and her were singing together at this concert. So she did get one of her feels yeah. fulfilled. It was just after the fact, but yeah, that was a that was a healing, a little a little bit of a healing for us, just to know that God's people are good. God's people are amazing. And you know, one of the things Brendan and I are still trying to find, and maybe you're going through some yourself, but is is you know, you always asking God why? What's the purpose of all this? What is the purpose of all this? And I think I, you keep finding the new meanings. You're digging for the new meanings. And out of it, you know, it was one of the one of the things we keep hearing testimonies. I mean, it's just crazy. People give us testimonies. Young lady texted, wanting to commit suicide. Sarah had a conversation with her, and my life has changed a different direction. I'm now involved in ministry and all this kind of crazy stuff. And you just keep hearing the testimonies. You keep finding the new meanings. And uh, one of the one of the things we love is that uh, you know Sarah's music lives on. There's a lot of people get blessed by it. And uh, in fact, I told to put up a QR code there if you want. If you want to get some of her music, it's you can go see it free. It's at on uh, YouTube. It's just it'll really bless you. It'll really minister to you. I encourage you to do that. But one of the things that happened was one of the a couple out of our church wanted to start a foundation for Sarah. And uh, about four days before she went to meet the Lord, they said, "Sarah, we want to start a foundation in your name, and we expect you to fully run it." And we need you to pick five things that you're passionate about and on and on and on. And they said, Sarah, you're going to run this foundation. I mean, they just just lifted her. I mean, you know, it's four days from her going to be with the Lord. And uh, they started that foundation. And one of the things Sarah said, I want to see the next generation of worshipers rise up. And so one of the beautiful things you try to find the new meaning, Sarah always loved to raise up the next generation of worshipers. And so one of the things that we wanted to do to do that was uh, we're building uh it's in construction right now. We're supposed to finish in June, but it's studio 33, after Psalm 333. And, uh, it's one of, it's gotta be one of the finest state of the art studios. And, uh, we're, we want to, we know it's so expensive for young artists to, that have a worship and a sound that needs to be out there. It needs to be heard and it's just a fortune. And so we made it our desire out of the foundation. We wanted to, uh, let their sound get out, 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 out into the atmosphere and to the nations. And so uh, starting in June, that'll all be, we're hoping it'll all be done. Y'all be praying that God just sends us the young men and young ladies that God wants to raise up a sound. And uh, so the foundation gets to do great things. We would uh, like doing a scholarship for uh, those in yeah, fine arts. We've done it for the past two years, giving away a $25,000 scholarship. Uh, to the female vocal solo winner for the past two years. Uh, if you look at that studio real close, you'll see there's three, you see circles everywhere and you see the three dots. You were talking about the three dots? So was Sarah um, got a tattoo uh, that we didn't know about, and uh, which is at Bible college. She got a tattoo. Bible college. Always happens in Bible college. Always happens at Bible college. Bible. But she, but um, it's okay. We got it too. So, <laughs> so it's three dots. It's an ellipsis, and it means there's more to the story. And when she got it, it was over a boy. Broke her heart. Broke her heart, you know. And so she got this tattoo. But she told me she said, 
when I got this, it was really dumb. And she says, now it makes so much sense because there's going to be more to my story. There's going to be more to my story. So I think everybody in the church has this tattoo. We call it street cred. <laughs> so it goes with the, goes with the kicks. So, so. You, you, we try, try to find the new meanings. And I want you just, because I want to wrap this up. Don't tell Springfield we got this. Don't. I don't. <laughs> They'll tell them. They'll tell them. I promise. Well, I'm not credentialed. <laughs> uh, there's the, oh, there's the three. Oh, I'm sorry. You said it out loud. I want you to tell them real quick, uh, you know, because sometimes worship does, it becomes a challenge because she was so, she was so there. Okay. And the Holy Spirit just, it just, it, it, you got to get focused on him. It's just amazing what he does, just how he works it in us. But I, would you tell him that one time the Lord spoke to you? Because I think this is really important. Uh, we, I, we were pre, I was preaching for Robert in Social Dallas, and they were meeting at Gillies and uh, still do meet at Gillies. Uh, but anyway, tell him, tell him that deal. because that's So uh, well, I struggled with worship, and it was used to be so easy for me. I just get on my face before God and, and I was just determined. I was just going to say, I just said, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to worship the Lord at my own pace. And when I'm ready and we were at social Dallas and Chandler was leading worship. He didn't know what I was going through, but he said, some of you have used to get on your knees all the time. And he said, you need to get on your knees right now. And you need to ask God the hard question you've been wanting to ask him. And so as I got down on my knees. And as soon as my knees hit that floor, I'm telling you, it was, it was like an earthquake in the building. And I asked God, like I said, probably for the 50,000th time, why didn't you heal her? You were supposed to heal her. And he said to me, I did what I was supposed to do. And she's where she's supposed to be because you did what you were supposed to do. So God is good and he's faithful and we trained her to be in heaven. She just went sooner than we did. That's what train your kids for is make eternity. And uh, I just, I, there's so much more to the story. It's so hard to unpack everything. But if I could leave you all with something, uh, this is something that kind of the Holy Spirit has just kind of burnt in me. It's out of First Peter four twelve, and if I could read it to you, because y'all know the word, but I'd like to read it to you. It says, "Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you." And here's what I've here's what I've discovered: grief will not destroy you. Surprise is what destroys you. When you're surprised, this is supposed to happen to us, this, this kind of stuff, faith build. Surprise is what destroys you, not grief. And surprise morphs into, you can tell when surprise is there because when cynicism starts to happen, that's really surprise. When bitterness and anger continues to drive you over something, that's the surprise. You weren't ready for surprise, just keeps happening to you. You get cynical. You start doubting. You start resenting other people's blessing or miracle. And really what it is, is you are ready for surprise. 
because grief doesn't kill you or destroy you. It's a surprise. And uh, I'll just tell you, the Bible said Jesus grieved, but he wasn't surprised. Amen. And he also asked why. And so when I start wrapping my round around it, that I can finish up with verse 13 in that. Instead, be very glad for these trials. Make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. And I've come to this place where I had a tendency to interpret my temporal experiences as the eternal realities. And what I stopped doing is I started seeing my eternal realities and bringing them to my temporal experience. And when I started doing that, there was a joy in the midst of sorrow. There is a peace in the midst of the chaos. When I realize it is all about eternity, it is, it is really. And when you're on this world, just surprises may come. But don't let it destroy you. Don't let it destroy you. And uh, I can tell you, we were surprised. And now just God just taking us through this journey. I want to do something just for a minute, if I could, just as we close here for a minute. I know maybe some of you are going through some things. And I, and you'll find some of this in my teaching, you know, with you this week. Some of this stuff still kind of comes up in my teaching a little bit because it's where I live. And it's what I go through. And maybe it'll be a blessing to you. I hope so. As we teach the next, the rest of the series, the sessions. But uh, one of the things I want to do is uh, I want to I want I want to let Sarah minister to you in song, if I could tonight. And in just a moment, we're going to play this song. It's called "The Story I'll Tell," and you may have heard it already. Uh, the interesting about this story is that Sarah had this uh, exploratory surgery done after they'd done chemos and everything to see what the status was of the cancer and uh, they came back and they told us and they told Sarah they said Sarah this is this is gonna this is gonna take your life there's nothing done this is gonna take your life mind you Sarah she would Brenda said she'd do her chemo on Monday so she could be in church on Sunday I watched that kid my goodness she would sing she would go to the back room she'd either throw up or almost pass out just to get enough rest to come back and close the service. And she get back up there saying, but no one had a clue what she was going through. She never told anybody. She just kept on worshiping God. One worship art, when somebody asked her, they said, Sarah, how is it that there's such an anointing on your life through all this? And she said, I heard a worship leader say this. They said, worship as if your life depended on it. She said, I didn't get it when I was saying that, but she says, now I worship because my life really does depend on it. And she found such a richness and a power and a strength, so much so that even after she was told, Sarah, this is going to take your life, she recorded this song, Story I'll Tell, and sung it. And we happened to snag the recording from her live worship. And and this is the one that Chandler, Chandler Moore does, the song Chandler Moore does. And uh, she said, my story is still going to go on. And she refused to let go of believing God, trusting God. And, uh, and I, I don't know if there's some of you in this room, uh, tonight that it may be your own set of grief you're going through that may not be compared to ours. It may be exceed what we've gone through. It may be something that some of the people might trivialize as much as saying, how, how could you say I, I had to put my dog down, but it's pain for you because it's all you have. 
It may be something your child did or said to you, and you've worked so hard in the ministry, and this is what I get, and I've made this kind of investment. I've, we've wept these kind of tears. we made these kind of sacrifices. But I'm going to tell you, you're going to find God's presence in a powerful way this week. You're going to know him in a way that you have never known him. And whatever the enemy means for evil, I'm telling you, God will turn to your good. And there is a new meaning coming out of it. And I'm here to announce that Satan is the father of all lies, and he's lying to you that there is no purpose and there's no new meaning, but I'm telling you there is. And there is hope, and there's ministry that's coming out of you, and your greatest days are ahead, and your story's not over, even if somebody has said it is. And I don't know whatever private pain you're going through, but I'd like for us to do something. Would you allow us to let Sarah minister to you just for a little bit? And I'm going to ask the worship team to get ready to help join us here in just a moment. But could, could we stand up just for a minute if we could? And and uh, and uh, Brenda and I would like to say a quick prayer over you, and then I'm going to let Sarah minister to you and let the Spirit of God minister through her to you. But can I just can I just make a, can we take a vulnerable moment here? How many just you don't have to tell us what it is, but you got a lot of people. The people of God are powerful, everybody. The people of God are so amazing in your life. We could not make it without God's presence, without God's people, hands down. We could not make it without God's presence and out his people. And there are a lot of people here. There's no greater moment for the Holy Spirit to pour into you than right now. And I just want to ask this, just simply, right here in the safety of all these God's God's spirit-filled people that care. You're saying, we're just, I'm just walking through something, Pastor Sam, and it's my pain right now. But if God can sustain you and he can sustain others, then I'm believing God's going to take me through this. And you just lift your hand as a hand of faith in the middle of pain right now saying, I'm in the middle of it, but God's taking me through it. Just lift it up. Just hold it up in the middle of the safe. This is the safest place you will ever be. This is the safest place you'll ever be. I want those of you that are around them, they may be at your table, maybe someone hadn't said anything, but you know what they're going through because you're your friend and you've been having your own private conversations. When this song goes up in worship, just for a moment, would you just go gently and just begin to minister to that person that you see that's raised their hand or they're at your table and you know they're going through something, you know they're going through a diagnosis, you know there's something that's happened in their church, would you just begin to put your hand like Jesus with skin on, giving them assurance that the presence of the power of God will sustain them and there's a new meaning, there's a purpose coming out of all this. So just for a moment, we're going to worship and I want you just to receive as they play this video. You guys go ahead and roll that video, but I want you to just let the Holy Spirit begin to touch you and would you begin to minister to each other. dark and it's hard to see what you are doing here in the ruins and where this will lead oh but I know that down through on this moment and see your hand on it and know you were here and I'll testify of the battles you 
to the room. 